selfish. Nothing personal word of the day, November 5th, 2020. <clears throat> Two days post-election. No results yet, of course. And the word of the day is selfish. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about sports. I'm talking about players. Story came out that made me think about all of the selfish players I've come across during my career and how I handle, did handle and would handle and have always handled the concept of selfishness. Now, I'm, I'm a pretty selfish guy. And to me, what selfish means is that I am far more interested in doing things that make me happy or doing things that I want to do when I want to do them, how I want to do them. It sort of makes me not flexible. It makes me self-serving, selfish. In other words, I want what's best for me. If part of what's best for me is making other people happy or feel good or the success of, a, of an enterprise in which I'm involved, then selfishness can cross over into success. But very often, if you don't know how to handle being selfish, it leads to isolation. It leads to failure. And people say to themselves, I wonder exactly what and who I am. Because if you don't know that you're selfish and you don't have any self-awareness of that fact, selfish, self-awareness, self-aggrandizement. So many words have self in it. You know the expression, by the way, Coca, there's no I in team. <laughs> there's only me, like the M and the E of T-A-M. We used to say that all the time to the players, and it didn't mean anything. They didn't care. I didn't care. I'm, I'm talking about selfish because my old favorite team in the National Football League, this is going to be a pretty heavy NFL show because there's so much going on in the NFL. And there's a theme that you're going to see throughout this show, throughout the topics. And the theme is selfishness. It is putting your views of your situation or of a situation that you're only tangentially involved in, putting your views and your take above anyone else's. It's opening your mouth and closing your ears. It is having no feeling about what the best path is toward accomplishing a task. There's a player for my team, the New York Giants, the New York football giants, and his name is Golden Tate. Golden Tate, you may remember, is a wide receiver. He is the guy who the Giants were counting on after they traded Odell Beckham Jr. Did they trade him or release him? Whatever they did to Odell Beckham Jr., Golden Tate was the guy. They signed him to a four-year, $37.5 million deal in 2019. $22 million or so of that was guaranteed. He is a, a fine wide receiver. That's, that's all I'd say he is. But he did something that is extremely, extremely bad when you are the member of a team. And he exhibited a level of selfishness that can bring a team right down into the crapper. He was so angry that he's not getting the ball. And that is when you're a player, 
your selfishness comes in several ways. The most common way is when you are not involved in enough plays. In football, you want to, if you are a running back, you want to have enough running plays and you want the running plays to go through you. If you are a wide receiver or a tight end, a non-blocking tight end, you want the quarterback, you want to be the first option or the second option or the go-to guy for your quarterback. If you are a defensive player, a, a defensive back, you want to cover the number one wide receiver of the other team. You want to be involved in every play, whether or not you are the best person to be involved in that play in that situation. And Golden Tate <clears throat> played a game where the Giants had a tough loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a back and forth game. That's the game that we chose incorrectly in our nothing personal pick of the day the other day, where they lost to the Buccaneers by only two when the line was 12. Doesn't matter. They lost the game. And Golden Tate, during the course of that game, said after catching a ball, he looked into the camera which is something that is sort of new over the last five or eight years where there's cameras on the field and they're mobile cameras, which means that there are cameramen who have cameras that are not in a fixed position and basically said into the camera, throw me the damn ball, which is a concept that is not new in football. People and players have been saying that for a long time, but he went a step even further than that where he said on the sideline after catching a ball, I think it may have been after a touchdown, when he made it very clear to the coaches that he was very angry about his role in the game plan. Now, what's funny in football is that players know the game plan going in. <clears throat> it's not like the NBA where during the course of a game, you have different plays that are called by the coach, but a majority of the time you're just going up and down the court whether it's a fast break, whether it's off a rebound, off a made shot. Mostly called plays are in the half-court set or out of a timeout. In football, it is very well known that often the game plan that's put in, it, the first 15 plays from scrimmage are actually scripted, where no matter where you are in the field, the first 15 plays that you run are set in stone. And Golden Tate obviously felt that he was not part of the offense in the way that he should be. And it forced an answer. And there's another topic we're going to get to later in the show where another coach was forced to respond with the Falcons. But in this case, it was the new coach of the Giants. His name is Joe Judge. And he is from the Bill Belichick tree of coaching, I believe, Coca. And he is a long way from New England, to say the least. And he was forced to actually give a statement about Golden Tate. And the statement was, I spoke to Golden at length today, and we're dealing internally with a lot of things. So I want to stop the statement there and explain to people that when, when we tell our managers or general managers or talk to our PR people about things that are happening with our team, knowing that we have to make a comment because whether it's social media or whether it's the player who has chosen to go public about something that's going on, we don't really like it when our coach, manager, or GM says we're dealing internally with a lot of things. Because by definition, if you're dealing internally with a lot of things, then there's nothing to be said. 
then it's just internal. What Joe Judge had to do is say we're dealing internally with a lot of things, but then he went on to say he is not going to be at the walkthrough today, but he will be back in the building and practicing with us the remainder of the week. It will be business as usual. But he continued by saying it has to be team first for everyone in the building. Every coach, every player. There are no exceptions for that. I'm not going to tolerate and put up that's redundant, with any kind of selfish behavior from anybody. So that statement in and of itself means that they did not deal with this internally. Maybe what he meant is we deal internally with a lot of things. This is not one of them. How do you deal with selfish players? How did I deal with selfish players? What is my take on selfish players? You can't win if you've got more than two selfish players. And if if you're going to win with selfish players, the two selfish players you have have to be the best players on your team. Because if you've got a selfish player who is not the best player on your team, that creates dis... Is that a word? Disunity? That can't be a word. Lack of unity... I'll take the lazy man's way out. Lack of unity is caused when there is a selfish player who's also a mediocre player. It's even worse when the selfish player is a mediocre player who is an overpaid mediocre player. That is the ultimate in disunity. And Golden Tate fits that to a T. You want to talk about a team that has a problem? That's the New York Giants. So what I would do with selfish players is I would go straight up with them. And I would be honest. I was having a conversation with, actually, there's going to be a Samson sit-down coming up with Logan Morrison at some point next week. There are moments when baseball players get selfish when they are playing for a contract and you think it's best to do a bunt or a sacrifice or a sacrifice fly is what's needed to score a runner from third. And that player doesn't want to do anything but get a base hit or get a home run because the player wants his average to be higher. When the player doesn't want to be a quote unquote team player, that is the equivalent. When we talk selfish players, being a team player is the antonym to being a selfish player. And The reason I would deal with it head on is that I didn't want a selfish player to have any notion that we in the front office were not aware of exactly what that player was doing. My batting average with selfish players is 0.00. And I'm judging my batting average according to my ability to turn a selfish player into a selfless team player. It can't be done. There's not one player who changes from selfish to selfless. Selfishness is the type of trait that stays with you because it's a mindset. It's a delusional mindset because 85% of selfish players are not good enough to be selfish. Michael Jordan Some people thought was a selfish player. I had a different view. He's not selfish at all. 
he would only give the ball to people who he thought could help him win a game. That makes him a winning player. A selfless player will do a something on their team. But if a selfless player does something to involve a player, which lowers your possibility of winning the game, that's a selfless player with a bad agenda. So if you can find a selfless player who actually helps your team win, you are on your way to rings. And it's all about rings. And Golden Tate is the type of player that will not get you a ring under any scenario. And when you are in the front office, you've got to be able to judge talent of your selfish players. Because if you empower a selfish player who doesn't have the talent to back it up, you're going to take your team down. If you are correct in your judgment of talent of that selfish player, and in fact, you let that player be selfish because you know that's your best chance to win, then you're a good executive. So my take on how I handle selfish players, it all starts with evaluation. That's the secret to dealing with selfish players. There are some managers like Joe Madden of the uh, California Angels is very, he used to, he managed the Cubs to a World Series. His big cause celeb or his MO is that he, this is funny when coaches say this, we let our players show their individuality. We let our players be players. That only works when you've got good players, good leaders, and the players who are showing their individualism, who do me first, not team first, when they are able to carry your team. The New York Giants have a problem. My word of the day is selfish. Watch for your team that you're a fan of. Too many selfish players equals losses. Now, what about J.J. Watt? Has he turned into a selfish player? Well, Coca, someone wants to know. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get into Twitter at David P. Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N. Get in, ask some questions if you want. Someone asked a question, and the question was actually a very simple question. This may have been the first five-word question I've gotten. Often people do an intro, then they do the body of the question, then they do a conclusion with another sort of point. This was a very simple question, and I appreciated that. So you want to talk to Samson. Would you trade J.J. Watt? Wow, that's, I, I was, uh, when I saw that question, I found it to be bizarre, but I figured I better do some homework. Because if someone's asking, would I trade J.J. Watt? There's got to be a reason for that. Something must have happened, and boy, oh boy, did it ever. J.J. Watt came out, and he came out very disappointed in his one-in-six Texans team. He said that early in your career, you think life goes on forever. Obviously, we win our first-ever division, our first-ever playoff game in my first year. In the second year, we go 12-4, and four, and you think that life's going to be great, and you're just going to keep getting better and better. And then you go 2-14, and 14, and the reality of the business side of the NFL, the reality of all the things that come along with it, hits you in the face. Side note, I love it when players have that epiphany. It's as though they've watched nothing personal for the first time ever. 
they have the epiphany that actually the front office is far more interested in the business side of the sport than the on-field side of the sport. It turns out that I'm not alone in how I dealt with running a team. It is always business first. You know this from nothing personal. He said, it's not roses all the time. J.J. Watt continued. And then you look at the last seven years or so. Yeah, we won some division championships. That's great. But that's not the goal. That's not the goal. Your goal can't be to make the playoffs. Your goal can't be to win one or two playoff games. If your goal is not to win the Super Bowl and your goal is not to do everything in your power to make that happen and make your organization in the best possible situation for that, then that's not going to happen. So that's my goal. That's why the work goes in. That's why I fought back from all these injuries, because that's the goal and that's what I'm still working toward. Holy cow, did he throw his organization under the bus. Now, granted, they just fired their coach and GM. Bill O'Brien, I think was his name. Granted, they're one and six this season. They just signed their huge extension to their top five quarterback, Deshaun Watson. They are the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year. J.J. Watt, though, I've got a little nugget for you. You are no longer good enough to give that quote and then walk in this clubhouse and think they're not ramifications. You are no longer the defensive player of the year. You used to be. You're no longer the best defensive end in football. You used to be. You are no longer someone who this team can win with. You used to be. And I love J.J. Watt. He's a badger. I love J.J. Watt. He's charitable. I love J.J. Watt because he cares about issues off the field, away from the NFL. But this is the first time I've seen J.J. Watt, and I wondered to myself when I did the homework after this, so you want to talk to Samson question, is it possible that I had it wrong? Is it possible that he is a selfish player who once the going gets tough, he goes full Billy Ocean and the tough get going. He's got one year left on a 17 with 17 and a half million dollars due. J.J. Watt is not worth 17 and a half million dollars. J.J. Watt is no longer the cornerstone of the Texans franchise. And if I were the president of the Houston Texans, I would make the not very difficult decision to get rid of J.J. Watt. Get that money off the books. Save the cap space. Reallocate the money into a player who can help us win. And what J.J. Watt got wrong is that when he said that winning a playoff game or two, that can't be your goal, it's to win the Super Bowl, J.J., if you turn into John Elway and you run a team one day, you will have a completely different view of what you just said. Of course, your goal is to win the Super Bowl every year. But in order to win the Super Bowl, you have to have a team that is good enough over 16-game regular season to make the playoffs, to have home field advantage in the playoffs, to get a bye in the playoffs from going up the chain, to make it to the AFC Championship game, to get into the Super Bowl, and then to have a day. And then you win a ring. And then when you win your first, when you win your first ring, your goal is to win your second ring. Every team has that goal. 
Not every year. But every team has that goal when they're in their window to win. The best teams know when it's their window to win, and the best teams know when that window to win is over. If the Texans are smart, they will realize what I learned all too well in Florida, that we had open windows where we thought we could compete and win a World Series, and we held on to those open windows too long, and it caused the closed windows to last longer than they needed to. If the Texans don't trade J.J. Watt, they will prolong their mediocrity because when they put their team together, they will realize that they are paying $17.5 million to a player with the name on the jersey that no longer matches the quality of play on the field that it used to represent. I would go talk to J.J. Watt right now, and I would ask him why he felt the need to go public like this, much like Joe Judge is talking to Golden Tate. What is the reason why you are selling us down the river? You are not that player anymore. You have not earned that right. There is no player who ever earns that right to air dirty laundry externally ever. You are impugning our desire and our level of desire to be a winning organization How dare you? Wait to see is when I do a wait to see. Wait to see is when I say that something's going to happen and either does or doesn't. Wait to see for November 5th, J.J. Watt, you are going to have a new home clubhouse next season. The Texans are not going to keep you. Whether they release you to save cap space, if that's even possible, I'm not the cap guy or they get someone to give a fourth-round pick or even a second-round pick, J.J. Watt will not be on the Texans in 2021. We're going to talk about the Falcons, and we're going to have sort of another little talk about the election, which is not over, later on in the show. But when we come back, my favorite combo of writer, director, actor have another movie out, Sophia Coppola and Bill Murray teamed up for Lost in Translation. They have now teamed up for a movie called On the Rocks on Apple TV+. When we come back on Nothing Personal, we will review On the Rocks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson, and you have downloaded, subscribed, and told your friends about Nothing Personal. You are watching the purple blazer and the non-matching shirt. You are watching Wilson and I give to you 45 minutes every single day on Nothing Personal. Thank you for subscribing, downloading, watching, listening. Watch a movie every day. I am all in on every streaming service. I've got HBO Max. I've got CBS All Access. I've got the Peacock. I've got Netflix. I've got Amazon. I now have Apple Plus. I think we reviewed. Did we review Ted Lasso? I don't know if I did that on Levitard. I think I did that on this show, although did Levitard today, and I think Ted Lasso came up. But I think we reviewed Ted Lasso on a previous show because I just watched that. But also on Apple TV Plus is something called On the Rocks. On the Rocks teams Bill Murray as the father of Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones is the daughter of Quincy Jones. Rashida Jones was in the documentary that we reviewed about Quincy and what a phenomenal, interesting career Quincy Jones had. Rashida Jones is the actress who is one of the lawyers in the social network. Bill Murray plays a divorced father, a playboy, didn't have a lot of connection with his child, but it's never too late. To all the parents out there, it is never too late. Don't ever give up on a connection with your child. Be there for your children in the best way you can and hope that one day you will have another moment. Rashida Jones is married to Marlon Wayans. And Rashida Jones thinks that Marlon Wayans is having an affair. Rashida Jones thinks that her marriage is on the rocks. Bill Murray drinks Centuri whiskey in Lost in Translation, drinks in this movie, not an alcoholic. So On the Rocks is a triple entendre as a title. I found the movie to be fascinating on two levels and disappointing on a third. I'm going to start with the disappointment and end with the positive. The disappointment is that On the Rocks is not as good as Lost in Translation. I don't know that Sofia Coppola will ever be able to make another movie that has the tone, the pace, the beauty, and the perfection of Lost in Translation with Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. She tries to recreate it, but instead of Tokyo as the backdrop, which leads itself to this romantic idea of what it is to be so far from home and what it can mean to a marriage when you are separated from your wife who's back across the ocean, what it means to a marriage in Lost in Translation to two young people who are together in a foreign land. On the rocks, the background is New York City. And Bill Murray takes Rashida Jones on a, on a quest for truth. And the quest for truth ends, spoiler alert, I'm not going to spoil it, it's a brand new movie. Did Wayans do it? Did he not? Does Wayans love Rashida anymore? Does he not? They have two little kids. Do Rashida Jones and Bill Murray make a connection as a father-daughter how does that connection manifest itself? What is it when you have a father who is incredibly selfish, who tries to manifest that selfishness through a renewed connection with his daughter? 
It is a multi-level movie that depending on where you are in life, that is the scale on which you will judge this movie. If you are 20 years old and single, you will look at this movie differently than if you are 60 years old and married or 40 years old and divorced or 40 years old and in having little kids or 70 years old with big kids. You will have a different lens through which you watch On the Rocks. But please check it out. On the Rocks with Bill Murray. Thank you, Bill, for agreeing to do that movie. Okay, I want to get back to selfishness now because it happened again in the NFL yesterday. I admit, Coca, and I admitted to him when we were preparing for today's show that I had never heard of Tack McKinley, but it doesn't really matter. Tack McKinley is a defensive end for the Atlanta Falcons. Doesn't matter if you knew that or not. Really doesn't. I want to talk about what he did and what Raheem Morris did in response. It's going to sound a little familiar to Joe Judge and Golden Tate. It's going to sound a little familiar to J.J. Watt. What is going on in the NFL? Tack McKinley used social media. Social media is the bane of my existence as a operator of a team. But as head of nothing personal with Coca, we love social media because we love being able to talk to you and interact with the audience because it's so much fun. Tack McKinley sent out a tweet after the NFL trade deadline. Remember, we talked about the NFL trade deadline. It passed without anyone paying attention because it happened the same night that the gold gloves were announced in baseball. Anyone remember that the gold gloves were given out in baseball? For crying out loud. November 3rd, 2020 was going to be election day. That was set in stone 150 years ago. I'm going to get a correction on that. I don't know when the first Tuesday in November every four years became a presidential election. But the first Tuesday in November is the presidential election every four years. MLB decided they were going to hand out their gold gloves that same night at eight o'clock. Are you kidding me? If a gold glove is handed out in the woods and no one is there to see it, are you actually a gold glove winner? Well, the other thing that happened that night, thank you to the desire for counter-programming. I guess that's where baseball's head was, but it didn't work. The NFL trade deadline happened as well. Guess who did not get traded? Tack McKinley. He asked for a trade. I'm so tired of players asking for trades. Do you think, as a president of a team, that we need to hear from you that you want to trade, that you need to tell us when you demand a trade? Here's how it works, and I'll say this to all the athletes who are listening, the former athletes and the current athletes and the future athletes. You demanding a trade is never going to work unless we think that we don't want you on our team. And unless we don't want you on the team is not enough for us to trade you once you've demanded a trade. The second part is we need to think that we are going to be better today and tomorrow by making that trade. That's the only reason. If you want to demand the trade and then you don't get traded and you want to sulk, you want to hold out, you want to miss a year, you want to play like crap, no problem. We'll sit your ass on the bench and not play you. No problem. That level of selfishness, we have no interest in. 
Tack McKinley sends a tweet where he says these Atlanta Falcons turned down a second round draft pick when I requested to get traded last year. The same Atlanta Falcons turned down a fifth and sixth round draft pick from multiple teams when I requested to get traded this year. Clown emoji. Clown emoji. Clown emoji. Who's the clown here, Tack? The Falcons? Now, I've said that Dan Quinn is finished, and he is. He's going to be. You as a player think it's okay? Wait a minute, Dan Quinn is finished. That's why they have an interim coach. Coca, am I completely losing my mind? Their interim coach is Raheem Morris. Do I have the complete wrong team? Is my brain completely fried? Or did Dan Quinn get fired? And Dan Quinn was then replaced by Raheem Morris. Okay, thank you. Golly, I just had a moment. So Tack McKinley thinks that by demanding a trade that the Falcons, because they're not having a good season, I guess, and because he's a mediocre player, Tack McKinley at best, I would say. So I was told. By the way, I wouldn't say that. I was told by Coca. That we're going to trade him because of that? If we think you're worth more than a fifth-round pick, we're not going to trade you. If we think you're not worth that we'd be a dream, it would be a dream to get a second-round pick, and you think we turned that down, that's a lie. Anytime we think as a front office that we will get the better of a trade, we're going to make the trade no matter how much that player is beloved by his teammates or beloved by our fan base. If we think we can be better, we are making that trade. The Falcons are no exception. And if Tack McKinley thinks that by going public and calling out the Falcons for not trading him, that all of a sudden that will make us want to trade him more, you've got another thing coming. What it did force, unfortunately, is Raheem Morris, the interim coach for the Falcons, to come out with his own statement in reaction to Tack McKinley's tweet. Here's a little hint to the athletes. If you think that tweeting something is going to embarrass me as a president of a team, you got another thing coming. I could care less what you do. You tweet, you Instagram, you stir the pot by making the clubhouse toxic. You think I'm then going to do a bad trade and I'm going to take undervalue for you? Do you know that when players act this way, hey, Tack, I got a suggestion for you. Do you think that there are teams who want to acquire players who are malcontents, who are selfish, and who really don't help a team win? No, they want no part of you. Raheem Morris said, Tack will be held accountable. Got to deal with that as an organization and got to hit it in the face. That's an unfortunate use of words, Raheem, but you're new to coaching, so that's okay. He called it a very immature act by Tack, by, by Tack, and he said, quote, the wrong way to go about it is how Tack went about it. Don't pout. I don't like it when our coach is forced to make a statement like that or forced to comment on that, forced to tweet about that. I want things kept in house. I want dirty laundry kept in house. Here's what I'm doing if I am running the Atlanta Falcons. Tack McKinley's coming to practice and he's running. Tack McKinley is coming to practice earlier than everybody else and staying later than everybody else. Tack McKinley's going to have extra video to watch extra playbooks to read. Tack McKinley is going to pay a price for his comments. 
in every way that I can make him pay a price without violating the collective bargaining agreement. I'm going to make it so his teammates understand very clearly that that way of acting will not benefit you in one iota. Do you think that we're going to reward a player? And by the way, Derek Jeter did this with the Marlins, and it cost him. All a player had to do is say, I don't want to be here, and Jeter traded him. That's a mistake because you're giving power to the player. And it's not that I'm trying to act all high and mighty. I'm actually trying to make it very clear that the reason players cannot have the power to decide transactions is that players are not in a position to know which transactions work and which transactions don't. Sorry, Raheem Morris, you had to do that. Tack McKinley, welcome to hell in Atlanta. You're not leaving anytime soon. Nothing personal pick of the day. God, we are 31 and 29. We've got a Thursday night game, and we are going to be back to up a field goal. We're going to be up 32-29 because I think this pick is my slam dunk pick of the day. It's the SDPOD, not the NPPOD. Tonight, the Green Bay Packers play the 49ers in a rematch of last year's NFC Championship. My, how things have changed. The Packers are favored by six points. They're coming off a terrible loss to the Minnesota Vikings. And I assure you that the Packers are the pick. I will be watching this game because I love the Packers. They're my team. Used to be the Giants. I'm a Packer guy. My whole family is a Packer Packer family. Packers minus six over the Vikings. I promise you, by the way, please don't say that, David. Rewind that, Coca. I don't promise you because it's a pick. How the hell do I know? Is six the right number? I guess so. Packers minus six over Vikings. Okay. Let's talk about the election a little bit. I want to end the show talking about this. Here we are on Thursday, November 5th. We have no winner. We've got Arizona still in play, Nevada, Michigan, Georgia, North Carolina. We have lawsuits being filed by Trump. We've got uncertainty at the moment, although the markets, the financial markets are not reflecting that uncertainty because here's a little financial markets lesson. The only thing that markets don't like is when they don't know what's going to happen. The uncertainty is what drives market confusion and markets to fall. But ironically, the markets knew that there would not be a winner on Tuesday, November 3rd, or Wednesday, November 4th, or even Thursday, November 5th. They worked that in. That's why markets have not been negatively impacted by what's happening but there is uncertainty as to the president. There is a clear path for Biden to get to 270 electoral votes. There is a less clear path, but I guess it's still clear. Wait a minute, I got this. A clear path means do you know what needs to happen for you to prevail? So both sides have a clear path. It's very clear. It's the ease of the path for Biden 
versus the difficulty and the unlikelihood of the path for Trump. I was thinking about making the word of the day today dignity because it ties so much into the theme of today's show. Selfishness, how to act, what to say, when to go public, when not to, how to go public. Dignity matters to me. Losing with dignity, winning with dignity. We talk about that in sports all the time. I love the interviews. Go back to the World Series, the Super Bowl, the NBA championship. Interviews are done with the winning head coach, and it's done in a celebratory way. The tone, it's loud, it's exciting. You've got your announcer Hey, how do you feel right now? Tell me what's going on in your head. You are a world champion. And the answer comes and it's loud and boisterous and exciting. All right, we're now going to go to the loser's locker room. Let's go to John Doe. And he's got Coach Lasso, who is willing to talk. And we are very appreciative. Hey, Coach Lasso, what went wrong? How do you feel right now? And Coach Lasso says, I'm proud of our team. I want to congratulate the winning team. I just want to say that they were the better team today. They come out with, there's a book we have of, what's the word for it? Oh, heavenly heavens, Coca. It's not an analogy. It's not a metaphor. It's not a simile. It is a, uh, it's an expression. But what's the word when you have all of these sort of rote expressions that all mean the same thing and you say it 10 different ways and you're supposed to say it? We gave it all we had. They were the better team. We left it all on the field. We just didn't have it today. Those are all expressions that collectively represent something, and I can't think of it for the life of me, and it's going to drive me crazy. If any of you can think of it, please let me know, and I will say it tomorrow because it's going to come to me in the middle of the night when I'm staring at the ceiling. By the way, thank you to all of the people who gave me sleep suggestions. I got so many of them, including a certain type of music. I got a certain type of THC. That was a good one. Thank you for that. Tried it. I got a certain type of potion to make that's a combination of milk and honey and all sorts of other things. I got ways to try to close your brain down with meditation. Thank you. I'll keep trying everything. But dignity is something that is, uh, it's not an idiom, I don't think, Coca. Thank you for that suggestion. I don't believe it is that. That's not what I'm thinking of, at least. I don't like when the losing coaches come out and say, yeah, we just didn't have it. Congratulations to the other team. I want you to come out and take the microphone and tell me the truth. I am so pissed off right now. I cannot believe we lost to that team. We should have won. There were 10 plays that took place that they went the wrong way because we didn't have the proper execution. I didn't coach the proper way. Our players didn't play the proper way. But there is no way I want to play these guys again tomorrow. No, Coke, it's not hyperbole. Oh, it's not hyperbole, but it's a, um, it's a, oh, God, it's hype. It's hype something. It's hype. It's a, uh, it, oh, God dang it. Keep distracting me in my left ear. Stop it, Coca. That's not hyperbole. It's not idiom. Okay, so we're taking the, the microphone. And we're saying, listen, it's BS that we lost that game. I'm not going to tell you I'm sad. I'm going to tell you I'm pissed. That'd be a great way. But then you move along and that's it. What's happening here 
in presidential politics and the words that are spoken by every loser of every big game, they are very similar in that they are both full of it. And I want to give Trump some credit here if he loses, because he's not going to give a speech, a regular conciliatory speech, congratulating Joe Biden, saying that we're going to work together and I'm going to throw my support behind Biden. He's not going to do that. I wish that he would do that if he happens to lose. But he is not going to lose with dignity. And you think I'm being critical of him. I'm not. I don't want to lose with dignity. Because losing is losing and there's nothing dignifying about losing. Losing sucks. But every presidential election, every senatorial election, congressional election, school leader election, every time you choose a team and a player doesn't make the team, every time you play a game and there's a losing side and a winning side. We teach kids, don't be a sore loser. That's different. Being a sore loser doesn't mean you lose with dignity. Being a sore loser means you don't sit around crying and throw your equipment on the field and run off the field and disappear and eat Ben and Jerry's until six in the morning. Being a good loser means that you recognize that you are the problem. You've got to work harder. What you did didn't work. You don't blame other people. You don't blame voter fraud. You don't blame lack of execution by your team. You blame yourself and you make sure that you're in a position that it doesn't happen again. But every single loser tends to go what we call in the media or with fans as the high road. I don't think that's the high road. I think that it is okay when you lose to just say the following. Ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between, it's a disgrace that I lost this election. I didn't deserve to lose. I didn't want to lose. There's nothing I can do because you have spoken or when you lose a game. It's a disgrace that I lost a game. There's nothing I can do. They played better than we did today, but that's because I didn't play well enough. That's because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't prepared enough. Believe me, this won't happen again, even though it will, because everybody loses. I'm not congratulating the winner. They were better today. Big whoop play this game tomorrow, have this election tomorrow, and I win. Play this game tomorrow, and I win. Why is it that people think that dignity matters? There's only one thing that matters. It's just business. You look at that winner, and you say to him or her, it's nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.